Hey, Alvin here. With so much going on in the world today in any 24-hour news cycle, I thought I'd curate five news items that captured my attention for the past few days. My interests center around science, geopolitics, business, and entertainment. So join me as we explore what's going on around the world. In COVID vaccine news, here's what scientists know about the COVID-19 vaccine blood clots and how the risks can be diminished. On Tuesday, the CDC and FDA recommended that states pause the administration of the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine after six rare blood clots that were potentially linked to the vaccine were reported. Earlier this week, the European Medicines Association, EMA, reported it was investigating four cases of blood clots related to the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, and the company said in a statement that it would be pausing its rollout into Europe. These announcements have come on the heels of an ongoing controversy over the AstraZeneca vaccine, which has also been paused or restricted in multiple countries after reports of extremely rare blood clots among people who had received it. Both vaccines use a similar technology, which is distinct from the mRNA vaccines developed by Pfizer and Moderna. So far, these blood clots are extremely rare. The risk of a blood clot occurring after the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is so far about one in a million while the risk from the AstraZeneca vaccine has been found to be closer to 1 in 250,000 in the UK. Both of these risks are far lower than the risk of getting a blood clot from COVID-19 itself, which one paper found occurs in about 20% of COVID-19 patients. But scientists do have a good reason to suspect that the clots are linked to the vaccines. The types of clots that have been reported after vaccination are extraordinarily unusual and bizarre, says John Kelton, a researcher from McMaster University in Ontario occurring in parts of the body that aren't normally known for experiencing clots. The patients that are getting these blood clots also have low numbers of cells that normally help the body to clot when damaged, called platelets. Low platelets usually mean that the body can't form clots, but in these recently vaccinated patients, clots are popping up in seemingly random areas. The CDC's Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, ACIP, will hold an emergency meeting on April 14th today to discuss whether the Johnson & Johnson vaccine rollout should continue to be paused. They might, like other countries in the EU and Canada, recommend that the adenovirus vector vaccines only be given to people who are over a certain age. Most of the patients that have gotten these unusual blood clots are young women, so some nations have ordered that only people ages 55 and older can get the AstraZeneca or Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Luckily, when these rare blood clots do occur, they often are easily treated as long as they are caught early enough. The CDC says that if a patient experiences symptoms including severe headache, leg pain, shortness of breath, or abdominal pain within three weeks of getting the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, they should contact their healthcare providers. Scientists and public health officials have another daunting task going forward, communicating to the public that these pauses are actually a good thing and shouldn't make people afraid of the vaccines. <laughs> Bernie Madoff, who ran the world's largest Ponzi scheme, is dead. Bernie Madoff, the disgraced former financier who ran the largest Ponzi scheme in history, has died, sources confirmed to ABC News. The 82-year-old died of natural causes while being housed at the Federal Medical Center in Butner, North Carolina. Madoff earned global notoriety by defrauding thousands of investors to the tune of nearly $65 billion using a Ponzi scheme that unraveled shortly after the Great Recession of 2008. Prior to the economic crash of 2008, Madoff was a celebrated figure on Wall Street as the head of what appeared to be a wildly successful Bernard L. Madoff investment securities firm. 
Madoff founded the firm as a penny stock trader in 1960. Prior to his downfall, Madoff also briefly served as chairman of NASDAQ. Madoff married his high school sweetheart, Ruth Madoff, in 1959. The couple had two sons and owned lavish properties, including a Manhattan penthouse, a Palm Beach waterfront home, and a Hamptons beachfront home. Madoff's fall from grace was swift. He was arrested in December 2008 after his family contacted investigators when he confessed to his sons that his business empire was a sham. Bernie Madoff and Ruth Madoff attempted suicide on Christmas Eve 2008. Ruth Madoff told CBS News in 2011 that she and her husband downed pills after their sons had contacted federal authorities, but ultimately their attempt was unsuccessful and we woke up the next day. His crimes were remembered for appending the lives of thousands, heightening the agony associated with brutal economic downturn. Many victims said they lost everything. One investor who lost $1.4 billion died by suicide in December 2008. In March 2009, Bernie pleaded guilty to 11 federal felonies, admitting his conduct was wrong, indeed criminal. And in June 2009, he received a maximum sentence of 150 years in prison. When I began the Ponzi scheme, I believed it would end shortly, and I would be able to extricate myself from my clients from this scheme, Madoff told the judge at his plea hearing. However, this proved difficult and ultimately impossible, and as the years went by, I realized that my arrest and this day would eventually come. Madoff told investors that he developed a unique investment strategy, which he explained to the judge, to falsely give the appearance to clients that I had achieved the results that I believed they expected. The judge, Denny Chin, told the courtroom at the time the sentencing was symbolic for a crime that displayed extraordinary evil and took a staggering human toll. In court, Madoff said that when he started the scam, he thought he would be able to work my way out. He maintained that he acted alone, adding, How do you excuse lying to brothers and sons? How do you excuse lying and deceiving a wife who stood by you for 50 years and still stands by you? There is no excuse for that, and I don't ask for forgiveness. Finally, he turned to face some of his victims in court. I'm sorry, he said. When Chin read the sentence, the courtroom erupted in response. As Madoff went to prison, tragedy soon overtook his family. In December 2010, around the two-year anniversary of Madoff's arrest, his son, Mark Madoff, hanged himself in his New York City apartment, the New York Times reported at the time. Mark Madoff was also under investigation, though his father maintained that he acted alone in operating the Ponzi scheme. Bernie Madoff's only other son, Andrew Madoff, died of cancer in 2014. In the decades since Madoff's arrest, Justice Department officials have worked to create a fund for his victims and have distributed more than $2.7 billion to nearly 38,000 defrauded investors as of April 2020. The Madoff Victims Fund has received over 65,000 requests for compensation from investors in 136 countries. DOJ officials have pledged to return over $4 billion to victims via the MVF, which was amalgamated in part from civil and criminal forfeitures sought against Madoff and his co-conspirators. After serving more than a decade behind bars, in February 2020, Bernie Madoff's lawyers sought a compassionate release, saying he suffered from terminal kidney failure and other chronic conditions. At the time, he told the Washington Post he wanted to repair his relationship with his grandchildren before he died. I've served 11 years already, he said, and quite frankly, I've suffered through it. His plea for early release was denied. In tech news, Samsung has a new phone that has a 2.5mm quantum random number generator for improved security. So Samsung has a pretty solid track record with smartphone security, but it has upped the ante with its latest offering, the Galaxy Quantum 2. 
This includes something called a quantum random number generator, or QRNG chip. This generates tons of random numbers per second for enhanced security of sensitive data. Samsung partnered with SK Telecom to create the device, which is currently only available in Korea. The network operator said in a press release that the QRNG chip will be used to generate random numbers and patterns to secure applications used for finance, messaging, and authentication. The carrier company has already onboarded a bunch of partners including banks like Standard Chartered and Shinhan. Plus, SK Telecom's own service like T-Pass and Samsung's payment system are secured by this method. The new chip in the Samsung device is both faster and smaller. A large number of encryptors use the RSA method of multiplying prime numbers and generating a public encryption key and a private decryption key out of it. While this method might be hard to crack at the moment, quantum computers of the future may not have this problem. To overcome that hurdle, researchers have thought of QRNG methods to generate complex numbers at a breakneck speed to keep the security intact. While including a QRNG chip might seem an extreme use case for a few high security applications, a hack like Jeff Bezos's leaked WhatsApp messages might remind us of the need for safer platforms. The Galaxy Quantum 2 phone is powered by a Snapdragon 855 Plus and has a 6.7 inch QHD display. This phone started pre-sales in Korea yesterday. In space news, NASA now knows what went wrong with its Mars helicopter. All eyes were on Mars this past weekend when NASA had scheduled the first flight of its Ingenuity helicopter. It was supposed to be a monumental moment for NASA, the scientific community, and humanity as a whole. But it ended with a whimper, as NASA had to delay the test flight due to some messed up data it received from the tiny aircraft. It wasn't immediately clear what the problem was, and that was perhaps the most worrisome aspect of the delay. But it now looks like NASA has figured things out and will be able to fix the helicopter without much trouble. NASA originally noticed the problem when they switched the helicopter over from pre-flight mode to flight mode, which is essentially telling the helicopter that it's about to fly. In doing this, the helicopter returned a worrisome alert its engineers have been working to figure out what might have caused the red flag ever since. In a new update, NASA says that it has things pretty much figured out and will be able to correct the error with a simple software update. That's the good news, but there's also some bad news. As you can probably imagine, the software that runs an autonomous aircraft built to fly on another planet is, well, pretty complicated. NASA says that it can build the update easily, but sending it to Mars and going through all the vital checks will take some time. The good thing about all of this is that the helicopter has the Perseverance rover right next to it, which is hanging out in an area where it dropped the chopper off, and it acts as a base station that will receive the software update and then push that new program to the helicopter itself. It's a pretty slick process that NASA believes will work well, and we'll get to see it in action for the first time. Once the software is built, the update will be sent to the helicopter, at which point a number of other system checks have to be performed. Once booted up on the new software, the helicopter will need to spend several Martian days just chilling out before it can even begin its test flight. That means the tentative no earlier than date of this coming Thursday is out the window. But it may be a week or even several weeks before NASA feels comfortable taking the helicopter for a spin. And we'll be waiting for that. There's an article that appears in Protocol by Joe Williams. Why did Microsoft spend $19.7 to purchase Nuance? The answer may actually lie beyond healthcare. Microsoft's decision to spend $19.7 billion to purchase Nuance Communications took a number of industry analysts by surprise. 
the second largest in Microsoft's history, the price tag amounts to 13 times Nuance's yearly revenue. In justifying the amount, Satya Nadella touted Nuance as a pioneer in the field of conversational AI for healthcare and highlighted the impact its tech would have on establishing Microsoft as a leading vendor in the sector. But the rationale seems to lie beyond trying to own just one industry. Instead, Nuance could fill a critical void that would help Microsoft compete more fiercely against rivals like AWS. To be sure, the healthcare component is a big deal and gives Microsoft access to a critical sales channel at a time when competing vendors are also pivoting quickly to industry-specific products. Nuance already has big-name healthcare customers like Epic, Cerner, Humana, and Cleveland Clinic. Paying, albeit a major premium, for that user base allows Microsoft to sidestep the tedious task of building it out independently. This is a Rolodex play, Valor analyst Rebecca Wetman told Protocol. But one just has to look at how fast Nuance was able to succeed in healthcare, a notoriously difficult industry when it comes to the adoption of new software, to understand a bigger opportunity. In 2013, Nuance was known as the backbone of Siri. Just three years later, the company made a big pivot with the release of Dragon Medical One, its speech-to-text AI engine. Nuance touts metrics like 77% adoption rate among U.S. hospitals as evidence of its success to date. And now, bolstered by the purchase of Seikara in February, the company is turning its sights beyond just speech transcription to more powerful capabilities like automatically ordering prescriptions for a patient after overhearing a doctor suggest it. The speed with which it penetrated the market is noteworthy according to industry analysts, particularly given how much some users hate Dragon, or at least hate Siri. Ultimately, that's why the acquisition is much deeper than just speech transcription. Nuance was able to append healthcare in just a few years, with Microsoft's backing expanding deeper into the sector as well as into other markets could be much quicker. Microsoft needed to make a big move to establish itself in the healthcare sector. Microsoft Cloud for Healthcare was just released last May, so it makes sense that the company would devote much of its publicity push around that. But buried deeper in the release, as well as in accompanying comments from Nadella and others, is the broader impact this could have on Microsoft's product suite. Nadella, for example, briefly mentioned Nuance's cross-industry enterprise AI capabilities in a call with Wall Street analysts. Only when viewed in that context does a sky-high purchase price make sense, some analysts say. Microsoft declined to discuss its broader ambitions for Nuance beyond healthcare. There is a great healthcare component that you can't ignore, said Gartner Senior Director Greg Pesson. But the crown jewel that they bought is the AI engine. Microsoft can make that part of its base capabilities. Speech recognition software is in high demand, everything from analyzing customer service calls to allowing consumers to control home appliances with their voices. Microsoft's big offering in this space was supposed to be Cortana, but the company has struggled with building out its tech, particularly when compared to rivals like Amazon. Now, Microsoft is ending support for the program on iOS and Android, instead doubling down on Cortana's capabilities as a virtual assistant within Office 365, basically a Clippy 2.0. Without Nuance's tech, that could have been more difficult. To be fair, Microsoft has access to robust natural language processing software, given its partnership with OpenAI's CPT3, but the acquisition potentially changes the game. The company will be able to deploy the software across its products, adding a much sought-after capability that could fix what are currently some lackluster offerings from Microsoft compared to its competitors, analysts say. Neither Microsoft nor Nuance, for example, are big players in call center tech, but it's a key area for expansion for Nuance, 
and the addition of a more powerful AI-backed voice assistant could help Microsoft expand its market share, especially given the rush among companies to deploy speech recognition software to customer service agents. It's one reason why AWS has been so successful with Connect. Even rivals use its AI. Microsoft really isn't in the contact center space today, but if you combine what you have with Teams and what you have with Nuance, maybe, says D.A. Davidson analyst Rishi Jaluria. That's how I see them integrating it. It's why the deal is much more than just a healthcare push. Viewed in that context, the price tag seems more justifiable. Interpreting medical language is very difficult from an NLP perspective, and Nuance figured that out, Pesson said. Those mechanisms can be applied to many, many other places and provide lots of good solution sets for Microsoft. I hope you've enjoyed today's Daily 5 Roundup of news from around the world. Stay tuned for more episodes as we get our podcast channel up and running. Please subscribe if you like today's content and feel free to reach out on social media. Catch you on the next one.